Good morning. My name is Carol Lemons, and uh, my husband and I have been going to this church since 1988. And um, I, uh, except for a few years, we were over in Hungary as missionaries, but then we came right back. Um, and um, I'm involved in the Stevens ministry here and also in the prayer group that meets on Wednesday mornings here at church and soon to be involved with the prayer team for perspectives. So I'm really looking forward to that. Today, Pastor Steve will be teaching from Galatians 4, 1 to 7. To set the context, I will also be reading from the previous paragraph. So I will be reading Galatians 3, 23, through four seven. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither <clears throat> slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, <clears throat> to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is God's word. Thank you, Carol. We've known Lemons for, say, 34 and a half years. Thank you. You know, I had never thought about receiving an inheritance until my dad died, which was 32 years ago. It was in 1990. And uh, my mom and dad had divorced a couple of years earlier, and my dad uh, did not have an up-to-date will. 
And so when he died, we really didn't know what he owned and what he owed. Uh, we quickly found out. By the time everything was settled, each of us got kind of a modest sum of money. Uh, it was significant, but it wasn't life-changing. But the thing for me that overshadows the amount of that inheritance was just the stress of settling his estate. There was the divorce. There was the, just the messiness of, of it all. Uh, there were all sorts of emotions surfaced in different ones of us. There were unresolved conflicts that uh, surfaced in, in the way we talked about dad, the way we talked about what he did with his money, what he left to us. And I've, I've seen the same dynamics in other families. Uh, an inheritance is not always a blessing. Sometimes an inheritance is a messy, messy curse. Now you're wondering, now why are you telling this less than encouraging inheritance story two weeks before Christmas, right? Well, I'm telling you by way of contrast, because Galatians 4 tells us that if you are in Christ, you can look forward to an eternal inheritance that is, that is uh, unblemished joy. It is pure blessing. In today's passage, God wants you to know that if you are in Christ, you have an inheritance. You begin experiencing now, but you will receive an inheritance that should free you up to live in a way that you have never imagined before. You can have a type of freedom that you never, you've never had before. And when Galatians talks about freedom, it's not talking about you're free to do whatever you want. It's talking about you are free from sin and you are free to do the will of God. You are free to take risks for God. You are free to love people like you never imagined. You are free to experience God in profound ways. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. This Advent season, we've been studying passages that reveal what was on the heart and mind of God at Christmas. Two, two Sundays ago, we saw from Philippians 2 that humility was on the mind of Jesus, the Son of God, at Christmas when he became one of us. Last week, we saw from Hebrews 2 that uh, family, the family of God, was on the heart of, of Jesus when he became our older brother. And today, we're going to see that this inheritance was on the heart of God when he sent his, his unique son into this world. And so let me, let me get set a bit of context. Uh, if you've read Galatians, you know that Paul was very concerned about their spiritual state. They had started well. They had believed the gospel Paul had preached, namely that salvation comes through faith in Christ alone, faith plus nothing. But some false teachers had come in. They were Jewish believers. They believed in Jesus, and they said, you do need to believe in Jesus, but if you really want to be part of God's family, you also have to practice the law, specifically the dietary regulations and practice circumcision. And so throughout Galatians, Paul argues that Christ plus anything is another gospel. It is a false gospel. And so in chapter 3, Paul argues that if you really want to be a part of God's family, you need to enter the way Abraham did through faith. If you want to be an heir of Abraham, you just enter by faith in Christ alone. He said that you'll receive the, heir, the inheritance that was promised to Abraham. God promised Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. Your, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And through one of your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so if you want to be an heir of Abraham, believe in Jesus. 
And then he pointed out that the law came 430 years after this promise to Abraham. And so it was never meant to replace the promise to Abraham. It was a temporary covenant. As we read earlier, it, it was like a guardian. It was to take care of the Jewish people until the fulfillment came, until, until they became, it was like a child. They were like children until they became adults. And so Galatians 3 ends this way, verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so Paul argues if you believe in Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, and you will receive an inheritance. This inheritance does not come through the law, it comes through Jesus. And so in our passage, Paul makes two points. First, he talks about what was true of us before Christ, and second, he talks about what is true of us in Christ. First of all, verses 1 through 3, Paul says that before Christ, we were no different than slaves. And Paul gives an illustration in these verses to drive home the, the point that the law was temporary. It prepared us for what we would experience in Christ. He begins by saying, I mean, so he's, he's saying, this is the point of verse 29 that we just read. He said, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. And so the scenario he paints here is you have a wealthy man who has a son, but he's an underaged son. So he's not going to give him the inheritance now. So this man sets a date. He said, on this date, when you become this age, then you will receive the inheritance. Until that date, I've got some guardians. I've got some managers. And in the Roman Empire, they would have been slaves that were in charge of this child. Uh, one commentator said it's like having a full-time babysitter. Uh, this, these, these guardians would tell him what you can and can't do, when you can and can't do something. And so and even though this child was an heir of everything, until the date set by the father, he was no different from the slave. Here's the point in verse 3. He says, in the same way, we, he's talking about we as the Jews, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Paul's picking up his argument from chapter 3, verse 24, where he said that the law was our guardian until Christ came. Under the law, the Jewish people were just like the child in the illustration. They're waiting for the day set by the Father when they would receive the full inheritance. Until that time, it's like they have the law is like a full-time babysitter. It said, do this, don't do this. This is what you can wear. This is what you can't wear. This is what you can eat and not eat. This is how you have to cook it. Everything was spelled out, just almost, not almost every, but, but almost every area of daily life was directed by the law. And so even though, uh, even though they had all these promises from Abraham, this inheritance, in a sense, they were no different than slaves. He says that they were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And so that term is, is uh, this translated elementary principles have different, is, has different meanings in different contexts. And here I think it refers to the, the regulations of the law. 
It's used again down in verse 9 where Paul refers to the Jewish calendar, which involved observing days and festivals throughout the year. And so one way to think about it is that Paul is referring to the ABCs, the most elementary aspects of the law, the basic regulations. And so the Jewish people were enslaved to the law in the sense that it told them exactly what to do and when to do it. Now, remember the issue for the Galatians. False teachers had come in and they had said, Christ isn't enough. You need Christ plus the law if you really want to be in God's family. And Paul's telling them, if you do that, you're going back to slavery. To carry the analogy further, just like a child eventually moves to, needs to move past ABCs. It's good to learn your ABCs. You need that. But eventually a child needs to learn words and sentences and paragraphs and needs to learn how to write whole essays, right? In the same way, the Jewish people, they needed the law. It, it was a guardian. It was the basic elementary principles. But eventually they need to, needed to move beyond the law to the freedom that's found in Jesus, the Messiah. Now, unless you grew up in a Jewish household, everything I've been describing might sound rather remote. I mean, I'm half Jewish, but we didn't grow up following the law in every sense. But there's a, there is a sense in which before Christ, all of us had some elemental principles that we lived by. There were some ABCs, some basic ways of living that we were taught. And they weren't necessarily bad. They might have been pointed us in the right direction. But before Christ, it was this prelude. It was this temporary way of living until we could receive this full inheritance. And so for you, it may have been this, this just basic, honest, moral way of living You may have grown up with the creed, you should work hard, you should be honest, and you should help people. You say, if I do that, then I'm a good person, and and that's what what this world needs. Or maybe your ABCs were more religious in nature. And again, this, this is good. It's not necessarily bad. Your ABCs were go to church every time the doors are open. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray, especially before meals. And you need to give away some of your money. And so again, by saying that these were elementary principles doesn't mean that there's anything wrong, doesn't mean that there is anything necessarily flawed in your upbringing. It's simply the case that before Christ, for everybody, we don't have the full freedom of an inheritance like we have in Christ. And so in the next paragraph, Paul reveals the date set by the Father, the date when our Heavenly Father said, This is the date when you get the full inheritance. Well, it turns out that was Christmas. It was when Christ sent forth his son. That is the date set by our heavenly father. We no longer need guardians. We no longer need managers. No longer need a full-time babysitter. Jesus, the Messiah, has come. We're given this inheritance. We begin to experience it now, and we will experience it in full for eternity. And so in verses 4 through 7, we see that in Christ, we have our full inheritance as sons. And we'll talk about sons in a few minutes. But in Christ, we're no longer enslaved to these elementary principles of the world. Verse 4, 
when the fullness of time had come, that refers to the time set by the Father, the time when the inheritance would be fulfilled. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so the time when those, those who were enslaved to the law would be set free uh, was the time when Jesus came, when he sent his son to earth. The time had come for us to have the full status as sons. And so we read that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. God sent forth his unique son to become one of us. And when he did that, he sent forth his son. He was born of a woman. And so the son of God became the son of Mary. Uh, Jesus was born into a family that had a lineage. He had to become a human because all these promises had been made to humans that another human would come and would do something that was uh, unique, astounding, establish the kingdom of God. It started in Genesis 3. God told the serpent, one day a descendant of the woman will crush your head. In Genesis 12, God told Abraham, one of your descendants, through one of your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In 2 Samuel 7, God told, uh, told David, he said, one of your descendants will sit, on, will, will sit on your throne and will reign forever. And so Jesus had to be born of a woman so that he could, could fulfill all of these promises that were made through a human. He was that seed. He was that offspring. He was that descendant. And so God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So since Jesus was born into a Jewish family, he was raised observing the law. And there's a sense in which he experienced the law just like everybody else. He had the same, same requirements. But in another sense, he experienced it uniquely because he was perfectly obedient to the law. If you take Jesus' summary of the law, you would have to say that Jesus loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind, and he perfectly loved his neighbor as himself. And in verse 5, uh, it tells us why God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Paul writes, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so to redeem means to buy back or to purchase. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sin, sins. He purchased us for God. So now if you're in Christ, if you've accepted that sacrifice, you belong to God. God says, I will be their God. They will be my people. And the ultimate result, Paul writes, is so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, Paul is very intentional here in saying that all believers, both male and female, are sons because in the first century context, the son was the one who received the inheritance. And so Paul is stressing not gender, but he is stressing status. The son, of, the son was the one who received this inheritance that was so valuable. And Paul made this explicit back in chapter 3, verse 26. He said that in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 
then two verses later, he said, you are all Christ's. You are all one in Christ, both male and female. And so Paul says here that God redeemed us so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And so because God adopted us, that means that we are wanted. If you're in Christ, you have to know God wants you. Because you're adopted as a son, that means that you have the the highest possible status. God wants you to know that. He wants you to experience that. He wants us to enjoy the privileges of that status. And he fills that out in verse 6, the privilege of sonship. He says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so the same way God sent his son at the fullness of time, God also sent the spirit of his son, where? Into our hearts. And so the spirit of Jesus lives in the heart of every believer. And the resulting cry of our hearts is Abba, Father. And the word Abba is, is an Aramaic word. It's, it's not translated, it's transliterated. It's brought over into the English language. And that term was an affectionate term. It was a term of respect that a child would use for their father. And so it's not just a fact. You're not just told God is your father. No, you're ex- if you're a believer, you experience this in the deepest part of your being. Internally, you have this cry, Abba, Father. It's this confirmation. God really is my Father. The one who deserves the utmost respect in the universe, he's my Abba. He's my Father. As Paul put it in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then Paul brings the argument full circle in verse 7. In verse seven, He returns to the issue of an inheritance. And he says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is what has happened to you. You have gone from being like a son who is no different from a slave to a son who has realized their full inheritance. That's the change that has happened in Christ. Now, you may be wondering, now, what what exactly is this inheritance? What are we talking about here? Well, the short answer is everything. The inheritance is everything. You have God himself. You have God the Father. You have a Father in heaven. You have Jesus his son, at his right hand. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within your heart. God is our treasure. God is our inheritance. And so if you have God, you have everything. And it's filled out throughout Scripture. You could pile up the Scripture. By the way, the meek will inherit the earth, okay? So the new earth, the new heaven and the new earth is thrown in. By the way, you're going to have an imperishable body. You're going to be raised with a body akin to the resurrection body of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, every tear is going to be dried from your eyes. I mean, you've got everything. You can't overstate our inheritance in Christ. 
and we begin to experience that. We have this rumblings of this new heaven and new earth. We have this inaugurated kingdom here and now. But at the return of Christ, it will be fully realized. And for eternity, we will experience this inheritance. And when, when this inheritance is settled, if that's even a way to talk about it, it's not going to be messy because everybody's going to get everything. There's plenty. There's no scarcity in, in the, the inheritance that God is going to give us. What difference should that make in our lives? Well, for the Galatians, Paul, Paul wrote this in Galatians 5.1. And remember, the issue was people were telling them, you need Christ plus something. Christ isn't enough. And so in Galatians 5.1, Paul wrote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so knowing that we have an imperishable inheritance waiting for us, it can give us this freedom that we've never had before a freedom to live our lives the way God designed us to. And so again, it's not freedom to do whatever you want. Doing whatever you not want is not freedom. That's slavery. Freedom means we're free from sin. We're free from all these passions of the flesh. We're free to know God. We're free to do the will of God. And so I would tell you what I understand Paul to be telling the Galatians. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, don't let anybody tell you that Christ is not enough. And I mean anybody, including yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that you need Christ plus something to really know God and to experience God. Don't think that you cannot go to the scriptures and hear the voice of God. Don't think that you cannot go to God in prayer, ask, and receive. Don't think that the Holy Spirit will not and cannot lead you into the future. You have an inheritance, and your inheritance includes God himself. Now, this doesn't mean you're a standalone island. You need people. Many times God uses people to speak to us. He uses people to help counsel us and guide us, but you do not need a full-time babysitter. You don't. You have an inheritance. God wants you to be a maturing child of his, and he's provided everything you need for that life. It is yours in Christ. To be in God's family, to thrive in God's family, you don't need Christ plus anything. Christ is sufficient. I'll close with just one analogy that I hope is helpful. The sports world is is rather obsessed with records and breaking records. And in, in the record books, there's a way to designate that, yeah, this is a record, but it needs to be qualified. It's not quite as great as it appears. And they designate it with an asterisk, right? And I'm no baseball real baseball aficionado, but uh, there's a classic example in Major League Baseball. It's the single-season home run record. Some of you know this. Uh, Babe, Ruth, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs, set the record in 1927. 
1961, Roger Maris broke that record. He hit 61 home runs. And in the record books, Roger Maris has an asterisk by his name. Do you know why? Because the season was longer. It took him eight more games to break that record. Fast forward to 1998, Mark McGuire broke Roger Maris's record. He hit 70 home runs in a record. He has an asterisk by his name because of performing enhancing drugs. He, uh, he took steroids through his major league career. So if you have an asterisk by your name, it means you've accomplished something, but it's not as great as you might think. In the book of life, nobody has an asterisk by their name. Nobody. You might think you do because of something you've done, something that's been done to you, something you have, something you don't have. People may have told you that you are not enough in Christ, that he's not enough, but in the book of life, nobody has an asterisk by their name. God wants us to know that. He's given us an inheritance that's imperishable. It will not fade away. And the guarantee of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit within us. God wants us to know that. This Christmas, what a time to to walk in this freedom that we have, knowing that we have this inheritance in Christ. That's the way God thinks about us. That's the way we should think about ourselves. And so, Father... We pray that this would be our experience. God, we're told these these amazing things in Scripture. We don't just want these to be facts that we can file away somewhere. We want to experience it all. We want to experience this inheritance. And so, God, this season, as we, we think about Christ becoming one of us, may we remember that at the heart of it is so that we might have this inheritance, so that we might have you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together if you're able. across the pages of time he who made every living thing behold him he who heard humanity's cry left his throne to wake as a child he became like the least of us behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion, oh, be still and behold Him, Alpha and Omega. 
God, the risen Savior.